We do like... Hey! Hang on a second. We're not going to let that... No. Not with Scotty Jam Jam's intro music. we got to get that right. of you who are in the live chat you did not hear the uh, the beginning of the intro music i assure you that uh my uh, it was gone out over the recording the friends over at odyssey got it um this was uh due to something i had to do earlier and uh, one of these days i'll get it right uh so good to be with all of you today uh i sent out an email i'm not gonna read this whole thing with you honestly we could talk about it um i think a lot of you who are in this thing you're on telegram anyway you've probably seen a lot of this go down you know the week's been off to a very interesting start i think a lot of you already know there was uh as discussed on a monday show i had a rather lively discussion on a forum dedicated to discount web hosting and this had the effect of exposing a number of important people to the reality that leftist identity politics is a hateful and destructive phenomenon which is always good to do um, there were some provocative demonstrations over the weekend, and they had given rise to a controversy on the right. Um, I had no shortage of things to say about this, of course, and I, but I plan to save most of that for the uncensored production on Friday, as a matter of fact. Um, but this did give rise to some concepts, which I do think are fitting for this, uh, this members-only venue. Uh, I mentioned that I would be inviting a controversial guest onto the uncensored production, and what I'll tell you here, you, as many of you may know, part of the controversy that arose over the weekend was that the guys from the Goyam Defense League and uh, that outfit called Blood Tribe, um, I had the, I've, I've interviewed both of these guys. The, the, um, uh, uh, he calls himself Handsome Truth, John Minadio, I believe is the way it's pronounced. Um, and then there's Hammer, a.k.a. Chris Polhouse. I had both of them on the, uh, on the Uncensored production. And they got together down in Florida. They had this provocative demonstration. There's swastikas waving around. And um, uh, this becomes the subject of controversy, not the least of which is because they are uh, accompanied by a man who calls himself Boneface, and Boneface has his uh, face covered in tattoos. And, um, you know, people who are conscious of um, what has been known as optics uh, thought that this was sort of a bad idea, and this was made all the much worse because um, there was a bunch of allegations were lobbed at this, uh, this fellow. Now, I was sort of skeptical of these allegations that had come about because people were posting pictures to the um, to my telegram channel and the people and the and the pictures were noting that 
images this guy had previously posted were photoshopped. Now, the guy in question, he had um, he had been he he fought in Ukraine for the uh, for um, for the 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 Azov Battalion is what my understanding of it is, and he posted there he posted pictures of social media that were allegedly of him in this place and some people went and found what were the original photographs and noted that he had photoshopped them or somebody had photoshopped them to place him inside of these photographs and so they're saying that he faked being in this in this war and this became a big controversy now when these images are showing up in my telegram chat i'm saying to myself well actually there's no evidence that he posted these pictures making for us with the intent of us seeing them uh with the intent of us believing them the fact that there are photoshops of this guy in a war zone actually doesn't tell us very much and i actually had deleted some of them and you know whatever but i also pointed out part of the problem with this guy was that he did an interview with rt and in the interview with rt what was russia today he said that the cia had sent him to go fight in ukraine now you know, if you're somebody who's been sent by the CIA to go fight in a foreign conflict and you say that to the news, well, as a matter of fact, like, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter if the CIA sent you there, okay? If you, if you tell a news station the CIA sent me to go fight in a foreign conflict, it's a problem either way. If you say, if it turns out that the CIA did in fact send you there, well, you're supposed to keep your damn mouth shut about that, Okay. Uh, if you are lying about it, well, then that's a rather serious problem. Why are you lying about being sent to a foreign conflict by the Central Intelligence Agency? And, uh, you know, you look at a guy like that with tattoos over his face, you find out that he's got a, you know, a lengthy criminal record, and you say, well, this man is not in the habit of making wise decisions. And so if you are about to go find yourself in, the, in, a, in a situation where you're facing a great deal of danger... Um, being accompanied by men who make poor decisions on a habitual basis is perhaps not the wisest thing to do. And so <clears throat> I had called some attention to this uh, on my Telegram channel primarily and I actually reached out to Chris Polhouse, who I've developed a, a reasonably warm relationship with. I talk to him not every day or anything like that, but I can send him a message whenever I want and he'll respond right back to me and we go back and forth. We, you know, we get along pretty good. And so... Uh, you know, I tell him, like, look, you know, whatever's going on with this guy, you know, he, as I talk to him about it, he comes back and he tells me, like, hey, you know, I thought that I was going to kick him out of my group because he didn't actually go fight in this war zone. And then the guy comes back to him and he's like, oh, well, you know, that, that wasn't, uh, he wasn't trying to trick people into thinking those were his photos. These are like fans of his. They put him in photoshops and stuff like that. These were what are known as S posts, right? And so, uh, you know, he comes back and he says to me, he's like, oh, we're going to clear his name. He's going to be back in a group. Everything's going to be great. And I says to him, I'm like, buddy, like, like, I actually don't think that's like the greatest controversy here. I think that you got a bigger problem than whether or not this guy was in this conflict. You know, the guy's t- telling the television station he was sent there by the CIA. And either way, that's a problem. You know, he's, I understand that you have tattoos above the neck as well, but you, it might be argued that yours are in better taste. And, uh, you know, it just seems to me this guy's not in the habit of making wise decisions. You're in a very dangerous spot and, you know. Maybe you should be very cautious, you know. But then I, I tuned into something called the, uh, uh, something known as the kill stream, a guy by the name of Ethan Ralph. And, you know, I don't make enough money to torture myself by listening to Ethan Ralph, but, you know, I do love you guys, and so I endured. And Ethan Ralph had this guy Boneface on his show. Now, if you look at a picture of a man whose face is covered in tattoos who tells you that he's going overseas to go fight, you know, Russians for the Democrats or whatever, you don't think that you're going to be listening to an intellectual powerhouse. 
Um, but, you know, the guy was surprisingly uh, coherent and able to articulate his ideas and had a, actually a pretty interesting story to tell. And so, you know, I, I came back to Paul House. I said, you know, I understand why you like this guy uh, for what it's worth. You know, I'm still the concerns I have still stand. But, you know, I can understand why you enjoy his company. He's an interesting character. And so uh, I, I concluded, you know, I'm going to have to get this guy on my show. And when I said that, I, I, I'm not surprised that people are like, is that really a good idea? But there was some considerable commentary on it, say. And I went back and forth with a guy, and I, I sent out this email. A lot of you probably seen it. It's basically a transcript of a telegram back and forth that I had with a gentleman who really made some very thoughtful commentary, and it, it was worth quoting at length. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you here. You know, the idea that he was getting at is basically like, you know, you do this, um, you're staying stuck in this, you know, this place that is fundamentally, you know, a fight. Uh, it's at on the uh, at a business level at least. This is failure. You know, if you can't, if you keep on jumping into the mud with guys like that, you are not going to succeed. All right. Now his commentary was more substantive than that, and I don't, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to minimize it. That's why I published the whole thing. I just, you know, I don't feel like reading the whole thing on here. I'll just, you know, I'll talk to you guys about it. Um, you know, and I said to him at the time, I'm like, what I responded to him was to say like look i i kind of understand that actually but for one i'm not the things that i have done in the past were inspired by a state of mind i'm no longer in frankly and that's part of the reason i don't have all my old content in circulation i i want to make that stuff available and i'm working on things to make it available to certain people under certain circumstances um, but I don't want it in circulation because that stuff's no good. But, of course, our enemies have it all. They have a catalog and probably transcribed, and they know every word of every second. They could go tell you everything I said in the moment I said it. But, uh, you know, suffice it to say, like, I've said all these things and that, you know, they, they have diminished my professional prospects, to say the least of it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, – it doesn't mean that I can't overcome those things, but it it does mean that those are – very substantial obstacles to overcome and you know those of you who have been paying attention for everything i've said since i got out of out of jail you know i kind of wanted to do things very differently when i got out and what i realized very quickly was that if i tried to do things the way i was thinking about doing them that i would not be able to financially support the production and so i was like i better give these people what they want you know and so I've sort of, uh, I've been trying to, you know, sort of synthesize something somewhere in between, and I've been doing the two different productions, and I think that that's actually working out, you know, all things considered, that's actually working out pretty good. Um, it's not it's not everything I would want, but, uh, you know, the fact that I've been able to pay my bills doing this is, you know, it's a dream come true in a lot of sense, of course. And so, um, you know, I've, I've kind of had one foot uh, on either side of this line, if you will, and... Uh, in thinking about bringing this guy on, here's one part of it I will read to you. Let me just get, I'll pull this up here. I don't want to read the whole entire thing, but. I appreciated your thoughts here, and not to diminish the value of what you said, but I'll offer a response to be sincerely, and be sincerely interested in what you have to say about it. I was very in- hesitant to interview Hammer, largely for the reasons you describe here. If you haven't seen that episode, I hope you'll check it out. It turns out that he hadn't seen that episode, and he told me that he would go take a look at it. That is my most watched video on Odyssey right now, and I think that is an important data point. People who do not listen to me tuned in to hear Hammer. Now, if you saw or heard that episode, I think you'll agree with me that while I treated the man with respect and gave him an opportunity to get his points across, 
anybody who was paying attention to that interview would come away with the view that I was the more more the adult in the room, and if a thinking man were to choose which of the two to follow, I don't think he'd long deliberate. If I have an opportunity to reach those who are considering following a misguided course and to deter them from that course, I think that presents me with an opportunity to do some good. And while I don't believe this literally, it closely enough approximates my point to say that it may serve as a repentance for prior sins. Hammer is actually a pretty good example of one of those prior sins. I am not blameless in what he is doing. He was a Radical Agenda listener. He started doing this crap after I went to prison. I have tried to talk him down unsuccessfully, and I endure no small degree of guilt and anxiety about this. For the existing audience, you know, I have, uh, I have struggled... I'm sorry. Yeah, for the existing audience, you know, I have struggled with a question in my mind of how much faith I should place in them to make their own decisions wisely. Clearly, most of the people I engage with on a regular basis at this point are discerning listeners, and I value this highly. But that surely has not always been the case, and even now I have no certainty that it is 100% of the audience. So I try not to be reckless in the ideas I expose them to. The last thing I need is to put a bad thought in the mind of an unhinged listener, and the next mass shooter is rearing one of my RWDS hats and a hoodie full of bullet holes. But I find great artistic satisfaction in bringing on a man whom some might not see as human and demonstrating that this view is as misguided as anything that individual might be doing. I do not think this distracts in any way from the gravity of the misguided behavior. In fact, I think it adds to it. If Hammer goes to Ukraine and dies and nobody gives an F, there is not so much to learn from this. If Hammer goes to Ukraine and dies and you saw him thoughtfully interviewed and understand that he has sincere motives and a head on his shoulders, this is actually a far greater tragedy. Now we are talking about the loss of a real human being and some genuine potential. When people do things that have the potential or likelihood to go tragically wrong, it's something to care about instead of one more stupid F failing Darwin's test. And so, you know, that was kind of the, the thrust of what I, what I got out there about the concept of bringing this guy on. You know, you look at his guy and you think like, oh, you're a cartoon character, right? You know, you're, you're, you're somebody who, um, you know, you're the type of guy to get your face covered in tattoos and do things that I believe are insane. And therefore... You must not be a person who thinks in the way that human beings do, which actually renders you subhuman. And, uh, you know, listening to this guy talk on that other podcast, I was like, well, you know, as a matter of fact, he is. And, you know, there's, um, as I say, I think, you know, there's some artistic value in that. And I think there's an opportunity to do some good. He's a lot of people are very interested in what this guy has to say. And so, you know, if I uh, if I bring this guy on and I have an interesting conversation with him, there are a lot of people who are going to hear that people who do not listen to me now. And the opportunity to get those people listening to me on a more regular basis, especially if they're thinking about making the very, very stupid decision of going to die in Ukraine. You know, that is something that I I would take a great deal of satisfaction in doing. But it's not lost on me that that has the potential to, you know, diminish my my future professional prospects. And so this was uh, the subject of some deliberation. And so with that, I will just go ahead, open it up to you guys. If anybody wants to chime in or I will just uh, I will keep on rambling away. But I, I didn't think it was worth reading the whole thing I sent out to you. Who's uh, anybody got? Uh, Pat, go ahead. Hey, Chris, um, your interview with with Boneface like it was with Hammer is not going to be like we're best friends and we're in the same thing together. It's going to be, I would imagine, a lot of tough questions and probably a lot of interesting discussion. And to kind of spread more or shed more light on the things about him and the, the, all the stories that have come out. I mean, Laura Loomer has kind of made a big deal about it on Twitter, you know, accusing the guy of a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, like, 
the the story of bone bone face and uh you know this march that took place is a lot bigger than just the isolated community which i think that the person who was writing to you is afraid of you being locked into so it's an interesting story um and i i don't see why if you have you know an honest and direct kind of like back and forth with this guy and it doesn't have to be like you're on his side you can be questioning him and asking him tough questions i don't see how that's gonna like harm you or or put you in the mud with him so to speak well you know i i, I will acknowledge that people who pay attention to it are definitely going to see that i'm not that guy you know I think that the legitimacy to the point that he raises is that there are people who are not going to watch it and who are going to make inferences from it. Now, you know, on the other side, you know, it might be argued that if they're not going to watch the thing and they're not going to pay attention to the substance of it, then, you know, what use are they? But they actually constitute the vast majority of people, of course. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's among the it's among the calculations. Now, I think that. I already have that problem, kind of, you know what I mean? And it's like my, my the, that problem in my life is not limited to my conversations with Hanson Truth or 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 Hammer or um, or uh, or Boneface, right? If I go and I bring on, I don't know, if I was if I was doing a weekly podcast with Jared Taylor or something like that, right? Where they're going to be like, you're a bunch, you're a bunch of evil Nazis, and uh, you're you're therefore not, you know, welcome in polite society. I mean, you know that exists. You know, and there are, you know, a smaller but, you know, not insignificant number of people who would do the same thing if I was talking to Donald Trump on a regular basis. You know, so, you know, the the, the further you get out on that pier, say, you know, the the, uh, the more people are going to get alienated. And, you know, at some point it doesn't matter so much what you're saying. It's the matter of the company that you keep. Right. Or the or the or the way that you give up opportunities to other people to sort of pigeonhole you into these things it's not even the company you keep or what you say it's the opportunities that you give to other people to draw narratives about you and now you know there's a limit to you know how much you could take into consideration of that if you're trying to make an impact but i think i think that's the legitimacy of the point that he raised i see crash is unmuted go ahead crash hey um okay so uh was that uh was that Pat uh, from our chats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. So you were talking about how I have three things, and I'll try to keep them quick. But you said that um, you're talking about your past mistakes and how they limit your uh, opportunities and everything. I mean, that's absolutely true and everything. But um, I mean, I think they can definitely be overcome. Like, look in today's society and, and culture that you know people that are actually in power. They're not held accountable for anything. I mean, they start wars. They get involved in these, you know, child um, exploitation scandals, and uh, and they're right back. You know, they they get re- rehabilitated. So it's almost like you can't and you can't even internalize the mistakes that you've made. Some in in some ways, and say that they make you unworthy of of. This is not like a you're good enough, you're smart enough talk, but. I'm just saying, like, we are so hard on ourselves about about the dumb shit that we've done. And then you look at these other people and it's like, you know, you don't you don't feel so bad. I, I'll um, invite you to uh, to join me in trying to keep the profanity to a minimum. But I, I do take your point there. Oh, sorry uh, for the whatever I said. Yes. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, and, and then another point is, you know, you were saying that bringing this bonehead guy on that or boneface that uh, that. People would would tune in who might not otherwise to tune in just like they did with hammer well you know i want to preface it by saying that i do not um 
I wouldn't dare to try to tell you how to uh, how to make content decisions, but you know, pe- people tune into the Kardashians, and people, you know, they they rubberneck when they see a fatality accident on the other side of the highway. It's like that's not always a good metric. And I mean, like, I watched the the Hammer Show, not even knowing who who, who he was. I got to say, I, I came away completely unimpressed, and and not to uh, not to try to flatter you, but. I just felt like the guy was way out of his league. I mean, he was completely out of his out of his class. He had nothing particularly earth-shattering or interesting uh, or compelling to say. I don't see any political future. I don't see any any future really with with what he's doing once the once the uh, once the edgy little sheen wears off. And and then the last thing, I understand your your sensitivity about about the Fed label. You know, given what you've had to go through, and 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 it does get used way too much. But as someone who's really hesitant to to think that way, I have to say, when I saw these guys in Florida, I'm I'm like, okay, if they're not feds, and I don't really think that they are, but is the outcome all that much different? I mean, look at these people; they're they're just completely cringe i mean i don't i don't really i don't really know i don't really have anything um all that intelligent to say about it it's just, it's just that my uh, immediate reaction to, to these guys is just is just to stay away and i can't well, believe so many people take these guys seriously okay well, let me, I'm, let me I'm, just I'm, respond to that point i i know i think you said you had three things so if you've got one more i'll i just want to respond real no, quick that to that it. okay so i mean you know Think about this for a second, all right? If you believe that it's likely that the federal government um, uh, plots provocative demonstrations with the intention of discrediting people like us, and it's not that one, well, then, you know, you might you might be really curious as to which one it was, right? And, you know, so there's, there's that. You know, I, um, my assumption is, and I think it's a fairly safe assumption, that... The, you know, the federal government infiltrates these groups, okay? I, I have some awareness of this as a consequence of discovery of my, my criminal case, okay? You know, they send confidential humans and human informants in. You know, they send, you know, I had women flirting with me on the phone. Turn out that they were literal FBI agents, not even like rats, okay? Um, so they do this. They definitely do it. Um, whether or not they're leading the organizations, I think, is another question. It, it seems to me reasonable to, that if they want to you know create trouble that they would um, perhaps you know send these guys would receive money in the course of that this type of thing you know one of the things that the fbi did with me when i tried to do the outlaw conservative kickoff tour they offered me money and they they said um oh well you know i i gotta be careful about being docs like can you can you introduce me to a listener in the area and i'll give that listener the money and then he can get it to you and i'm like you're worried about getting docs like I'm not going to go give you the name of one of my listeners. I have no idea who you are. You know, if you want to send me money, I'll, I'll figure out a way for you to do it. You know, I'll help you out. But no, I'm not going to give you somebody's, you know, name. Um, you know, and so, you know, the FBI will interact with us. They definitely do that. And, you know, it's it's entirely conceivable that they would be uh, that they would make efforts to, um, you know, to pick winners and losers, say. So that potential exists. But I'll tell you, you know. In talking to Chris Paulhouse, like, there's no way the guy's, you know, working for the government. <laughs> He's definitely not. He's, like, that's definitely not happening. Uh, I think it's exceedingly unlikely that, you know, 
I think I think I think it's perfectly believable that Boneface and a lot of these other people who go over to Ukraine have interactions with the Central Intelligence Agency. That that would make a great deal of sense to me. Um, you know, they're not employees of the government, though, <laughs> for sure. And you know, the government might tell them, you know, here, here's what you can do for me, and you know, maybe you have a reward in, in it for you. Um, you know, but you know, where do we where do you draw the line at? One does that one becomes a fed. You know, that's a that's a perennial question, I guess. You know, um, and so whatever the case may be, as one of the things I mentioned on Telegram, you know, I was in I was in prison with a guy by the name of Jarrett Smith, and Jarrett Smith, uh, he was he was he was, did all his communicating on Facebook, and I mean, this is in 2019. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, you'd think after 2017, anybody with you know um, unorthodox political views say is not going to be uh, trusting of the book of faces uh but uh, jared smith apparently didn't pick up on that and so he's on he's on facebook and he's talking to these like recruiters for azov in ukraine and he wanted to go over there and he wanted to fight and he's like well you know if i can't get in there by such a date um i'm going to join the u.s military basically you know whoever gives, puts a gun in my hand first will get the benefit of my services and so uh, he did not get into he did not get chosen to go over to Ukraine whatever the process of that is in time and he joined the US military and so while he is a private in the US Army um, he actually uh, was sent over to Afghanistan for a period of time and there he learned to make the bombs uh, which constituted the subject of the bomb plans that he was then distributing on Facebook when he came home uh, in a Facebook group for people with edgy political ideas and shockingly enough the FBI they get wind of this and so, um, having caught wind of this, the FBI takes an interest in it, and they approach Mr. Smith on Facebook, and they say to uh, Mr. Smith, they say, hey, Mr. Uh, hello, stranger. Um, I know you don't know me, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I hate all the right people, too. And I would love to make a bomb and make lots of chaos with it. Do you think that you could provide me with a bomb plan? And, um, and Mr. Smith is like, of course, I love handing out bomb plans. So here's some bomb plans for you, Mr. FBI agent. But of course, he doesn't know that they're the FBI. And so the FBI was rather dissatisfied with this, and they indicted Mr. Smith for some sort of crime. Now, it's my understanding that it's not um, illegal to distribute bomb plans per se. There's an element of intent associated with this, which renders it distinct from, say, child pornography. But um, this is uh, when the FBI arrests him. Apparently, some of the things he said indicated that he had that intent. And when he was arrested, the FBI interviewed and him, him and he said, well, yeah, you know, I, I did this because I wanted to create chaos. I didn't really care if people died. And so with their element of intent um, situated, they, uh, they charged Mr., uh, with Mr. Smith with his crime and they uh, got him to plead guilty to it. And there, that was how I met him in prison. And he used to sit at the, uh, the white table with me and Mr. Hale. Now, Mr. Smith was by no stretch of the imagination a Fed, <laughs> okay? He was not, uh, you know, other than his, uh, you know, term with the U.S. military, he was not working for the federal government, um, and he was not trying to harm his friends in any way, and it's not my understanding that he ratted anybody out to get himself out of trouble. He was sentenced within the guidelines for the charge that he was charged with. And so, um, you know, I told this story simply to point out that, you know, a person does not need to be a Fed or a rat or a, or even like a, a malicious or dishonest person to cause a great deal of harm. You know, if that guy's involved with your group and he's running around distributing, you know, bomb plans on Facebook and saying that, you know, he wants to overthrow the government. Well, you know, that's going to invite some trouble into your life, you know, and he doesn't and he doesn't have to have any evil in his heart at all, save for the save for whatever malfunction th made him think that was a good idea. 
you know, he can still destroy everybody near him, which is why, you know, if you're in this kind of position, you need to be very careful. And so, you know, if you're if you're dealing with these, you know, circles, you're dealing with these ideas, you know, the people around you actually have to be like prudent, responsible people. And it's not it's not good enough that you make sure they're not FBI agents. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, what I think the typical profile of what you could what most people think are feds is a guy who is gung-ho about something maybe he's not too self-aware or too intelligent and these interactions with federal agents you know that he may not even know um as you kind of mentioned i think that they are able to manipulate these people and kind of gin them up into thinking certain things like seemingly organically i don't think that they are coordinating anything with with federal agents and wearing wires and stuff like that i mean i think that's exceedingly rare unless someone is a direct employee of the fbi or cia or well, something I mean, but it, guys like, like it, this, it, there's no mistake about it that like people who are acting at the behest of fbi agents there's probably one here right now you know and i don't mean that i, I you know i i assume every individual here is great i'm just saying that like i also assume that you know, these people are willing to pay me $10 to listen to a conversation they couldn't otherwise do, right? And so, like, you know, the the, the the assumption always has to be that they're at the very least listening and likely participating, right? You know, there's definitely people, there's definitely people in my Telegram chat who are, if not FBI employees, at working at the behest of the FBI. And those people are definitely talking to us, right? They're not just listening. Like, they're ta- they're participating in the conversation, you know. Um, and probably I've probably banned a few of them for, you know, doing stupid things or, you know, trying to cause trouble, you know, uh, you know, so they're def- they're definitely interacting with us. It's not that they it's not that they don't it's it, they're not a myth by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think that's what you were saying, but I just wanted to illustrate wow. that. Continue your point. Yeah, well, I, I don't appreciate you ratting me out like that, but um, fine. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm pretty much done. I just kind of wanted to clarify what I thought of Fed, you know typical profile of someone who might be benefiting the feds would be but yeah i'm, pretty much I'm not sure Thanks. there's a very typical profile you know the um the situation is such that like you know look if if you're somebody you know if you're an fbi agent and your job is to come after guys like me right and somebody uh finds themselves in a position to do that you don't care right like what what that guy's up to you don't care if he's a heroin dealer you don't care if he's a pedophile. You all you care is what he could do for you, you know, and you know they take all comers, right? And so you know, there's no. It, I I think that that's why that's one of the reasons that playing spot the Fed is such an unproductive exercise. That there's actually no way to do it. You know, there's no profile. It's just they're just there, and you know, all you can do is figure out if these people are helpful or not, and trying to figure out, you know, if their motive is that the federal government of the United States is paying them, it doesn't matter. The problem is that they're not there to help. Um, yeah, Chris, if I can chime in, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, doing doing moderation in, in the chat, like, uh, you could speak to this, like, we see periodically, like, I don't know, like, let's say every few months, like, there's a new wave of obvious troublemaker, but they usually have different sort of applications. Like I remember maybe about a couple of weeks ago, there were people in the chat that were like trying to make the case for feminism, like in favor of it. There was like some girl that was like, you know, making this case like that women actually benefit from feminism. Then before that, maybe a couple of weeks, there was another person that was basically pushing like the incel sort of like MGTOW stuff. And it was like, 
both of these people were probably dishonest. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that they were sent there by the FBI, maybe. I mean, but like, I, I, I'm getting to the point of like, I don't think that there's one way. I think that they're willing to try every angle possible to see what happens, you know, whether it's like starting a fight about something, you know, and just watching the chaos happen, um, trying to argue. Like there was one guy who was like talking about how you shouldn't, like Jews are, are not in power and you should actually be looking at Catholics, like all kinds of weird stuff. So the point that I'm going to support what you're saying is like, they'll there's a lot of different angles they'll try they'll have people of all different walks of life and all different characters and personalities that they'll try to use to like create problems and see what see what works and what what doesn't yeah they do and you know one of the things that stands out in my mind as you say this is that one of the things that came out while i was still awaiting trial and i was in the county jail in new hampshire was like the 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 investigators who came after me for the thing that i i ended up losing internet access for you know before this even like happened they got this, uh, not a warrant, I forget what the section of the law they used was. It was something less than probable cause where they didn't get my, you know, all of the specifics of my email, but they were entitled to a bunch of metadata, location information, stuff like this. And so they went to Google and they say, you're required to give this and, and uh, give us all this location data, metadata, whatever. And on the application for that, which had been sealed at the time of my arrest, but came, became unsealed during the course of my, my stay, um, they, they, when they asked the judge for this, what they actually said is amazing. They said that I was under investigation for hate crimes and RICO and like all this crazy stuff that nobody ever charged me with, okay? And, I, and of course, they couldn't have possibly had any intention of charging me with this because they, you know, they know full well what's going on because they're spying on me. And so they they have this like list of absurd accusations, but they don't even have to have probable cause to do this is what I'm getting at. And one of the things that they say in the application it, it to uh, they say to disrupt the activity. OK, like literally they are, they're asking for a for not a warrant, but this court order to get information quote disrupt they say they want to disrupt what i'm doing okay and so that's one of the things that they do is they just go and try to disrupt activity okay and so like what pat just brought up is like you had this situation where people were coming in and doing all this dumb migtow stuff and while this happens as a consequence of like you know i forget exactly i don't even remember exactly what it was but you know I think I guess it was after I published the thing on beauty and you know I was contacted by some some female members of the audience and you know and I was like, I guess, what was it? You know, and there was something else that it, it, it interacted this around the same time in any case. And so, you know, I was made to think about, you know, the things that we say and how they impact the women in the audience and, and how they're chasing away women who might be in the audience and how that's a really stupid thing for an ethnocentric movement to do, you know. And so I said, OK, I'm going to make a conscious effort. I'm going to alter what I'm doing, you know, to try to, like, say things that are are more pleasing to women and that are not you know but but are yet not you know oh it was the simping thing we talked about this okay and so i'm like you know like i i you've noticed this if you especially if you follow me on telegram that you know i've, I've made these posts that are you know praising of women as you know in roles as mothers and whatnot and um you know making more shall we say family friendly things especially in the morning and so as a consequence of this then of course you know, you have people coming in, and after I mentioned the simping thing, there's this army of the MGTOW types who are like, no, women are evil. They are tattooed, you know, highway underpasses and yada, yada, yada. They're a bunch of whores. And I'm like, 
well, uh, you're completely nuts. Like, if you go around telling women that they're whores and don't be surprised if, you know, you bring that reality into fruition, and I would far prefer to bring into fruition a a different reality than that. So let's get to work on it, white man. Um, And so, and then after that doesn't work, then I'm bombarded with these idiots who are coming in and saying that anti-feminism will make women into whores. Like, what? Like... (laughs) We just got through this with the other guys. What are you talking about? You know, and and so I I you know I talk to these these characters. I don't even believe they're women, but whatever. The people who are portraying themselves as women in the chat, I'm you know I'm engaging with them initially in good faith, saying like, oh, you know, I understand why you feel that way, given that you know some people behave that way in the past, and you know I'm trying to improve, and so I'm really open to suggestions. And then she starts in with this anti-feminism will turn women into whores thing, and I'm like, okay, you're fake. Like you're definitely not here to. You're, you're actually not doing anything other than being a subversive. And so we, you know, we kick them out. And so what happens is the point that I'm getting at here, which Pat alluded to, is that, you know, they're monitoring what's going on, and then they're coming in. Basically, they're they're crafting narratives to come in and try to disrupt the activity, and. So that becomes this, like, there's no mold. They're constantly shifting strategy in order to disrupt what it is that we're doing. And there's and if you try to follow some axiomatic formula for dealing with that, then you will definitely fail because that's not what they're doing, right? They're constantly observing what's going on. They're changing their tactics all of the time. They have really smart people figuring it out. And so the only thing that you can do is constantly, you know, observe and and alter your own tactics in order to keep them as unstable as you are you know or preferably more right and so that's you know sort of my thinking about it there's no you know people are trying to play spot the fed they're always like oh well here's the three things that feds always do or you know here's what you should never do or here's what you should always do well like if you have any axiomatic rule like that it doesn't matter what the context is. If you have some like axiomatic handbook of steps to follow, and there are people who want to disrupt what you're doing, well, you lose the game. Like you definitely lose the game because they know what you're going to do next, right? And they know exactly how to subvert what you're doing. They know exactly how to stop you. They know exactly how to disrupt your activity. And so like you have to be changing all the time. You have to be observing, you know, the 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 malicious characters who show up and you have to change what it is that you're doing. You know, and that's sort of what I've realized. And this is why I said um, on a recent episode of one of the shows, you know, it really like you can't like there's not like a dogmatic ideological thing here. Like what you actually need is like you need leadership, right? You need you need people who are able to observe these things. You need, you know, Adolf Hitler said this basically, you know, you, gotta, you need a consciousness making decisions and adjusting to the situation as time goes forward. You need somebody to make the decision and then people have to, you know, f- abide by the decisions of the leader. I mean, that's kind of, I think that that's, I think that's the only way that you can operate in these situations. And that's not because I'm trying to appoint myself in that role. As a matter of fact, I, I far prefer to do exactly the opposite of this. But, you know, that that's the thing is that like, if you try to just say, okay, guys, you know, here's the formula, and now we have a leaderless resistance, you do not. You have you have a sitting duck. Yeah, the guy who says, gas every K or you're a cuck on day one comes back on day two and says, focusing any attention on Jewish power at all is foolish, says uh, Pat. And that's, uh, that's, very, that's very bright. Um, anybody else want to chime in? Go check on our friends on Odyssey over here. Libertariat points out that uh, Laura Loomer has uh, parentheses. Um, 
funny to call an advocate of white people edgy or cringe, or the feds just entrap people like the Whitmer Fed napping case. Yeah, this guy is an A. The caller, not Chris. I don't know who you. T- I'm sorry. The caller. This is where these guys are the members. There's no A's in here. All the people who are in the member chat, they're great. They're wonderful people. So anyway. Um, I, and I'm not, by the way, uh, there's, I didn't check the timestamps on there, and I'm not going to find out, uh, so, you know, whoever. Anyway, who, wants else, who else wants to chime in? Well, if nobody does, I will, uh, I'll see about, uh, well, you know, I was going to try to save this maybe for the Friday show, but maybe I'll do it, you know. Um, well, I'll chime go, in. Go right ahead. Yeah, please do. All right. So, i I have discussions with guys sometimes and more recently with the blood tribe stuff. Um, what do you think about using um, national social, like NSDAP imagery at these demonstrations? I mean, for me, it just strikes me as irrelevant, um, stupid, childish, and not productive. I mean, a lot of people get mad at me for saying that, and it's not. It's nothing to do with the way I personally feel about those things. Uh, someone in, in Telegram said it very well. I think his name was Steve. He he had a post that was that was really good about this. I don't have it with me or anything, but um, basically the same thing. Like it's not it's got nothing to do with how I personally feel about it. It's just the effectiveness. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, the the thing is this. Okay, if you're somebody who who reveres Adolf Hitler. You see the swastika and you think courage and justice and stuff like this, okay? If you're somebody who is not that guy, you, you know, you receive a very different message. And so, like, it, it depends on what you're trying to tell somebody, right? So, like, this is the, one of the first things I said when I came home from prison. I went on Free Talk Live. And, like, one of the first things they asked me was, like, are you a Nazi? And I'm like, well, why would I even bother to answer that question? Because... If I, if I tell you that, then clearly I believe Nazi means something other than you, right? Because if I tell you that I'm a Nazi, you think that I'm a monster. So it doesn't do me any good to tell you that because I'd be communicating something different to you than, than what I actually mean to do. So why don't I just tell you about my views? You know what I mean? And I dodged the question. I basically said, look, there's, like, there's a reality to genetics. Like, that actually matters. And there's, you know ethnicity is a correlation of these these phenomena and i think that the government needs to take that into consideration in foreign policy and by the way the government does intervene in the economy and it has to do so prudently you know and so basically that was the gist of what i had explained to him yeah the government intervenes in the economy that the nation is an ethnic group and those are the things that i believe and if you want to call that national socialism then you know go ahead and if you think national socialism means something else then i'm definitely not that now you do not convey any of that to a man by waving a swastika in front of him. You don't do that. And so why would you do it, you know? And, and there are reasons that you would do it. I mean, you know, I understand, you know, if you read George Lincoln Rockwell, I'll just give you the other side of it, you know, and this is what, this is what Hammer says. He's like, I'm not trying to convince people. I just, want, I just want people who understand that symbol to come find me, is what he says. And it's not, it, that is not without legitimacy. I mean, there's, there's reasons to do that. George Lincoln Rockwell said, you know, I'm going to put the swastika up in the air, and I'm going to know that everybody who stands under that thing with me is ready to fight. Because if you're a coward, you don't want to be anywhere near that thing, you know, uh, not at least not in a positive way. Now, I think that George Lincoln Rockwell was proven wrong about that. If I recall correctly, he got his brains blown out, you know. 
And, you know, a lot of guys who have, you know, tried to emulate that pattern of behavior have befallen similar fates, say, you know. And so, like, you know, a lot of the people who will stand under that banner with you are looking for an opportunity to put a knife in you is, is actually how it turns out. So I think that's misguided. But, like, you know, that's, that's the other side of it. Dan says, no matter what they are going to judge you anyway, in case of the, the blood tribe, it's their message and claimed actions that are the problem. Um, you know, I don't even know, like, other than, like, waving the swastika around and saying edgy things at, like, drag queen story hour events, I don't, I don't know much about the blood tribe's actions. So, you know, I don't know if there's other things that I'm missing. You know, I think that their blood ritual is kind of cringe, but, you know, in any case, you know, the people who are going to find themselves under that banner, I think it's fair to say, are going to be conflict prone, okay? And what I'm sort of figuring out is, like, all right, you know, I need... I need people, there is a need for people, and I shouldn't say that I need people or I only need people, but there is a need for people who are not afraid of all the world of hurt that's going to come down upon them if they take on the forces that we mean to take on, right? I mean, those people are necessary. Um, but if you, you, you know, the, the idea that what you need are conflict-prone people is actually, I don't think that's there's a great deal of evidence to support that theory, right? Because... You know, people who are just looking for trouble, you know, you know, you know, th there's people who would find that trouble other ways, you know, th that they would either be involved in drugs or that they'd be running around with the Reds or whatever it is, you know, like, you know, they, if they're just like, hey, I believe all the bad things that are said about you and I believe that I'm a bad person and that's why I want to join your bad group like those guys, you don't you actually don't want them around, you know. Were you going to say something, Pat? I see you're unmuted. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you had said George Lincoln Rockwell was proven wrong in that, and I, I agree. Uh, but I think we also have to take into context, like, the world that George Lincoln Rockwell was operating in was a lot different from the one Hammer's operating in, and I think that's, like, a mistake in his calculus. Like, you can't apply what George Lincoln Rockwell was doing and thinking to America today. It's a totally different place to to operate. So he he's making a big mistake thinking that that's, like, a a prudent way to marshal good people to you uh, in this day and age, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's a great deal of evidence that, you know, flying a swastika is going to bring the, the, the cream of the crop to you, you know. And, you know, what makes him, what what actually drives him to think that he's going to accomplish meaningful things? I, I you know, he started doing this stuff in, what, 2021, right? So, I mean, he's been at this for two years. And, you know, that's part of the reason that, like I said, like, you know, you know, he was a, he was a listener of the show and like I was doing this, you know, over the top edgy thing. And then he starts doing this after I go to prison. Right. And I come out and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to have to try to find a more prudent course. And then I find out that this guy who was like a listener of the show is going out and trying to be like the edgiest guy in America. I'm like, you know, I don't feel guiltless in that, you know. But anyway, that's my own internal thing. But, you know, I think that uh, he's still young in his activism say you know and he's still figuring these things out and uh you know a guy who's a guy who's taking such bold steps early in his activism is probably going to learn some lessons the hard way i'd say um another interesting thing i had seen he put out on his telegram that uh they were going to be changing the way they vet uh following the bone face thing 
And uh, apparently he wants to have everybody that becomes like a member of like the actual blood tribe or whatever. They have to submit like background checks and like give real names and stuff. I wonder how that's going (laughs) to impact. um, (laughs) Like, because you would think, right, if you're attracted to that sort of group and you think like it's a good idea to go out with a mask and a swastika and a gun and stuff, um, you would probably be very averse to giving your real name over. And I mean, like, I'm curious to see how that turns out for him, if like it's going to impact him at all one way or the other. Well, you know, at some point, what's going to happen is, you know, there's going to be a bunch of edgy Nazi accounts who are going to call him a rat is what is going to happen right now. And by the way, I'm I'm saying that these will be bad actors. Okay, I'm not I'm not accusing the guy. It is as predictable as the day is long that once he starts saying, "Okay, you know, I've got to go run your name through a system. There's a bunch of people who are going to be like, he's ratting everybody out just for the sake of creating internecine conflict. Now, they might hold off on that for a period of time if, if they feel like what he's doing is sufficiently destructive to, you know, create chaos in society. But, you know, at some point there will definitely be that element that comes around and, you know, calls the, you know, the, the element of the edgy Nazi anonymous account, you know, contingent will come out and start calling him a Fed and, you know, since that seems to be some portion of his recruiting ground that would probably slow things down some, I- I'm guessing. If uh, if anybody else wants to chime in, go ahead. If uh, not, I can pull up another thing. Check on our... Uh... Okay, nothing new on Odyssey. Hello, Odyssey friends. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Um, so I, uh, I, sent, uh, I sent a letter today. And uh, I think it's a nice letter. Uh, There's a fellow by the name of Rob Rundo. I think a lot of you probably heard of him. Um, He was involved with a thing called itself the Rise Above Movement. And uh, they were uh, a group of physically fit men who went and uh, defended patriots at demonstrations and whatnot. And, uh, you know, the government doesn't like that at all because the government is subsidizing a a bunch of uh, masked HIV patients who run around and assault people in the street. And so they were like, hey, wait a second, like, we send guys out to commit crimes and you're stopping them. Like, you know, how are we supposed to ruin the country? And they're like, I don't know. We don't want you to ruin the country. So so they all had to go to prison. But they 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 arrested these guys and uh, their case was actually thrown out. Like they went to court and they were like, yeah, you're pulling up some like Vietnam era thing that was unconstitutional then it's definitely unconstitutional the way that you're applying it now and a federal judge was like yeah of course it's unconstitutional leave these men alone get out of my courtroom and then uh you know then this prosecutor he's like well i don't like the constitution i'll go find a judge who doesn't either and so they uh they charged him anyway and a bunch of these guys they got arrested they went back to court and they went to prison and stuff it was kind of unfortunate uh and they were my uh not my co-defendants but they were made to be witnesses in a civil trial um but uh, one of these guys, he decided, uh, you know, he was going to go on vacation. And then, you know, they came after him while he was no longer in the country. And, you know, that was unfortunate because I'm sure he wanted to uh, face his accusers. And now he's going to have the opportunity to do that. because He was arrested in Romania not so long ago, and his name's Rob Rundle. And he, they extradited him, and now he's, in a, he's at a um, uh, metropolitan detention center in, I believe, it's Los Angeles. And so, um, you know, people have been sharing uh, these posts saying, oh, he's here, send him a letter or whatever. And uh, I did that today, and it took me a little while to do that. And in the course of me reading this letter, you're going to find out why. So 
I uh, I say this to Mr. Rondo. Greetings, Mr. Rondo. My name is Christopher Cantwell, and while I am not sure how familiar with me you may be, you know I know you have at least heard the name. With that, I might begin by thanking you for clearing up a controversy. As you know, rumors had swirled for some time that I did wrong by you and some of your associates. Now, I should uh, probably pause and enter here that, as many of you know, but perhaps not all, um, these guys were involved, uh, some of them were accused, I should say, of being present at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. And since I had given body camera uh, footage to the FBI that was exculpatory evidence and prevented us from all going to prison for the rest of our lives, um, people who work for that same agency spread rumors uh, saying that I was ratting everybody out, which was weird because, you know, we didn't go there to commit a crime. And so uh, uh, the people were saying that the reason the Ram guys got indicted was because I had ratted them out. And, you know, certainly their attorneys knew that. And so did Mr. Rundo. And so I'll finish what I had to say about it. As you know, rumors had swirled for some time that I did wrong by you and some of your associates. It was brought to my attention that you put those rumors to bed in a podcast appearance with our friends at TRS, the right stuff up is. This has not stopped bad actors from spreading those rumors, but you are no stranger to the disreputable behavior of bad actors, I'm sure, and there is only so much we can do about this. You, of course, have come across my radar more than a few times. I'd not say in this venue all the details, but I might note that you have earned my admiration. Given what you know about yourself, I don't, imagine, I don't figure that you have any cause to doubt the sincerity of this admiration, but I might elaborate a bit since I enjoy giving a good compliment, and perhaps you could use a pick-me-up given your current situation. It is not at all common these days to find men with the courage to act in combination with the mind to make that action meaningful. There are plenty of keyboard intellectuals who do a fine job of saying things worth saying in the hopes that somebody will someday listen. There are plenty of knuckleheads who are willing to jump into the gears of the machine and come out hamburger on the other side. These men are very valuable, and I do not mean to diminish their contributions, only to draw a contrast. A man who puts his body and freedom on the line and still manages to gather men under a common banner all over the world, this is a unique thing indeed. Were Rob Rundo to face his current troubles, then pass into retirement quietly, you would still have made a mark greater than men with egos far bigger than yours. I do not expect the world will suffer any such laws. I know little of your personal life, but based on what I know of your activity in the public eye, I can see that you are driven by motives and forces not entirely dissimilar to those that drive me. As I write this, a line comes to my mind from a verse you did with a faceless rapper by the name of Nate. It was just a long vacation of slamming weights with some of your associates in a place not typically thought of as a vacation destination. Of course, I know all too well that such a stay is of more gravity than the line would suggest, but I recognize the truth in this at the same time. A man who is driven by more than sensual pleasures and the comfort of a given moment can make more of such a stay than a man who is driven by baser instincts. Whatever comes of your current persecution, and however offensive I may find the injustice of this, I find some comfort in knowing that you are such a man. I was troubled to read today that you have gotten few letters. This is not for lack of people caring about your predicament. I see people speaking about you frequently, and I can only assume the reason for the dearth of letters is the same as the reason it has taken so long for me to compose this one. With all those people speaking of you and sharing the post with your mailing address, I figure many had assumed, as I had, that you would be flooded with fan mail and hardly have any time to pay attention to them individually. I know a man in your position is counseled by professionals to keep his mouth shut, and I'd not urge you to defy their instructions, since pursuit of your freedom must be the highest priority, not only for your sake, but for the good work that you do outside the walls. But I will offer you my platform in any way I can if you have anything you wish to say to the public. 
my cell phone number is, you know, you know, it's my cell phone number. And uh, I do have the capacity to record phone calls if you wish me to do so. Having been through an ordeal not entirely dissimilar to the one you are in, I will operate on the assumption that you do so wish. If you call, if you wish to speak to me without my passing the message to others, just say so, and it will remain between you, me, and whatever team of analysts may be listening in. There is obviously so much I could say about the time in which we are living, about what is going on with me and my thoughts on your current situation. If you care to begin a dialogue with me, I'll be happy to discuss all manner of things with you at great length, and I do fancy myself a good writer and interesting thinker, so I'll put all my talents toward keeping you entertained and intellectually stimulated in that event. I publish podcasts with very intriguing opening monologues three days a week, and it would please me greatly to send those transcripts along to you. But since this is an introductory letter, and I am not at all certain what the restrictions are on your correspondence, I might keep this brief and hope to hear from you before we begin a more substantial engagement. And I'll close with this. There is some sadness to the fact that we live at a time when our heroes are men who find themselves in cages. All the more so, since relatively speaking, so few know what sacrifices those heroes have made or, what, or that they are even heroes at all. But that is, of course, what makes them heroes under the circumstances. If we did what we did and we were rewarded with fame and fortune and the adoration of the public and suffered no discomfort in the process, then while we would surely live in a better time and place than that in which we happen to find ourselves, the efforts we put forward would not be nearly so meaningful. For men who, like you and I, it is that meaning that drives us, it may be said that we were born for a time such as this. I wish you continued strength and patience as you face this injustice, and I remain always at your service for order and toward victory. Sincerely, Christopher Cantwell. And so I sent that along to Mr. Rondo today, and uh, I, uh, I would go so far as to say that that was, uh, that was a, a decent piece of writing there. Anybody care to chime in? Uh, so while you guys decide if you want to chime in, let's see what Man, uh, uh, man Animal has to say today. He said... Uh, Hammer was very inflexible with his professions of heartfelt support for these NS battalions in Ukraine, uh, despite your careful, considered responses why these people are misled and that perhaps misled supporting them. He went on to describe the Russians as like evil, murdering, raping, pillaging scum. He seemed a little amused with himself in saying this stuff. I don't think it's controversial to state that the conduct of the Russian forces in the Ukraine conflict has outshined Ukraine's. I think that that's uh, a reasonable statement. Point being, and more to what you were saying, um, he speaks about these positions axiomatically indeed and feels too morally empowered by being inflexible. I think that's a, a, wise, uh, a wise observation. Go ahead, uh, Pat. I was just going to say, uh, I thought that was a great letter. I'm really glad. Uh-oh. I hope everybody else takes the time to write him something. Um, yeah, well, let me real well, quick. Uh, you cut out for a second. You said great letter, and then you cut out, and then I, you and then you asked, you hope that people take the chance to write him something. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I just said it was a great letter. I'm glad you wrote it. I hope he receives it and it brightens his day. And I hope other people take the time to reach out. And if Rob has done anything that you found inspiring or, or thoughtful, it would be good to let him know. I think that'd be really helpful for him in his current situation. Yeah, you know, I mentioned the thing that, you know, his case, and I'll just, for anybody who might not know, you know, he was involved not only in this Rise Above movement thing, which is which is pretty impressive in and of itself, but he also went, like, like, after this thing happened, he basically went all over the world. And you see, if you follow these these active club channels um, on Telegram, especially, I imagine they have other social media profiles, but that's what stands out in my mind about them. 
you know, there's these things are all over the world, you know, and so they're like, you know, you see these, they put out these videos basically of like physically fit men doing, you know, cool things. And, um, you know, this has become like a worldwide phenomenon. They just had this big old fight club thing out in California in Huntington Beach, which I, which I think is like where the whole thing got started. Like, I mean, maybe not the whole thing got started, but, you know, where people started to know the name Rob Rundo was he had a fight in Huntington Beach. Um, with a bunch of communist scum, and he and he uh, he took them down on the beach. It was pretty impressive, and so um, they just had this like MMA thing out there, and you know it's it's a pretty impressive routine. That's what I meant when I said you know people all men all over the world you know flying um, uh, gathering under a banner. Um, I see Crash and Pat are, are unmuted, but Pat, you was in the middle of something, then I'll go to Crash after. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, and I was just going to also point out, like, they started that media company, Media to Rise, which has done a lot of great documentaries and things like that. Um, so, like, they, they were, you know, Rob and his people were very prolific in doing a lot of good stuff. And um, I, I really hope he somehow comes out of this, like, stronger than ever. Yeah, well, I'm sure he'll come out of it stronger than ever. It might it might be a couple of years would, would probably be my guess before he does. Um, go ahead, Crash. Well, um, as we've watched all of the sentencing come down on these J6 people, it'll be interesting if um, Trump or any Republican wins uh, in 24. Like, what are the odds or likelihood of someone trying to get these guys justice? I mean, like, this guy, this, I forget his name now, um, goes to prison for 22 years. He wasn't even at the event. I mean, this is such a tragedy. I mean, this is such a travesty of, of justice. It's so sick. It, it's so fucking. Uh, sorry for the F. It's so uh, bizarre to me that like people are just watching this go on. I can't believe there's a juror in the country that that thinks that's a good idea. And but there are obviously. I mean, almost half the country does. So what do you think the odds are that that um, if Republicans get control back? that they'll try to do anything about this. I mean, my, my prediction is 0% chance, but what do you think? Well, I would say that if, if Donald Trump is elected president of the United States, there's a 100% pardon that Stuart Rhodes and Enrique Tarrio are going to get pardons. How much that transfers to everybody else, or at least clemency, right? Um, they're going to get out of prison within moments of Donald Trump taking the White House. I actually, I'm really confident of that. You know, if Donald Trump is elected again, he doesn't have to worry about being reelected. You know, you, you think about, you know, the pressures that attend to that office. One of them is, you, you know, Mr. President, you have to worry about getting elected again, right? And then if the president gets a second term, the, it, the pattern tends to be that he takes a few more chances because he doesn't have to worry about getting elected again, okay? And so, you know, I, I think that, that is the excuse whether anybody wants to grant it to him or not for not pardoning those guys right away now there's people who question the wisdom of that and i don't blame them but you know that's the calculation and so you know guy who becomes president of the united states might have a better idea on how to do that than i do and so he gets the benefit of the doubt in my book um and there's a pretty good chance that he's going to become president of the united states and if he is, I think that the chances of him not letting those guys out of prison, the ones who got 15, 17, 18, and 22 years, I think the chances of them staying in prison for the duration of that term of his presidency are near zero. So, you know, there's a lot of guys who, you know, have done shorter terms, who might still have to do terms. Uh, maybe they come out with felony records. Maybe they get a full pardon. But, you know, he's going he's gonna to intervene in some of those cases. Um, 
so you know there's that dan says in a chat he pardoned a, a a member of an ethnic group who committed fraud and who's back in prison already for fraud well you know that guy was probably connected to somebody who could do donald trump a favor right and i mean it's not like you know think about this right do you think that donald trump is just like a guy who wants to hurt people and defraud people like is that what he's motivated by the wrongness of the act like i have some doubts about that right there's some reason he did that and it had and it and it pertained to the exercises of his power right and so like you know if he pardoned a disreputable guy and the guy went out and did something disreputable okay you know that those are the wheels of politics if he pardoned that he pardoned that guy and nobody blinked an eye at it okay nobody who was going to obstruct his election cared okay it was not brought up at all and so like you know he made a wise political calculation in that he pardoned this guy it costed him nothing right and so like what is it you know in the grand scheme of things what does it matter that he pardoned this guy as a matter of fact politically it doesn't mean anything because other than you mentioning it in this chat i had no idea right so like he um he also pardoned an israeli spy who was giving away national security secrets okay so yeah you know and i'm not particularly happy about that but what did it cost him politically to do that nothing cost him nothing politically okay and by the way it's not like that guy's going to be selling national security secrets and endangering national security by doing it right and so like what does it cost it costs nothing you know it, it costs that guy's a little bit happier and y- you have a lower opinion of the of the guy who's still the best choice that you have for president you know and well you know and so like you know do you think that Ron DeSantis might pardon some people who you might disagree with yeah do you think that Joe Biden is going to let criminals run the street and set the country on fire you better believe it so like you know what's the political cost of doing these things what's the political cost of pardoning all the proud boys that political cost is actually pretty steep right that's a there's a lot of political cost associated with that and so like you know it costs my support for whatever little that's worth what did he gain from doing it it doesn't seem that these people are doing him any favors well if they if you don't see them doing him any favors well that means they're doing a very good job aren't they right if 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 you know that these people are doing donald trump favors and they're a bunch of fraudsters well that's a big problem and then it does cost him politically right but what it costed him was you know the quiet support of of you right and that's i don't mean that that's without consequence it certainly isn't you know but like you know if he but you know it's not that it's cost free but when i'm you you understand that you're capable you're capable of understanding this whether you know whatever your motives are that to pardon all of the j6 guys okay was a political calculation that that involves tremendous expense okay if he says okay there's a good chance that i'm not going to pull this thing off like 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 joe biden's going to be president on january 21st there's nothing i can do about it but i can run for president in four years okay what are the political costs if on my way out of here i i pardon everybody who was present on the grounds on january 6th those political costs are extremely high they're definitely more costly than pissing you off definitely more costly than pissing you off there's no question about that and so like you know he makes a political calculation now you know you want to call that self-centered fine like you know i think that we've talked before that you think that he's fundamentally driven by you know his own ego and you know you, you should hope that somebody who's running for president has one you know probably an outsized one go ahead pat i see you're on mute go ahead 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm not even making a case for or against pardoning J6 people. Like, my, my simple point is, is if you look at Jonathan Pollard, who's the name of the Israeli spy he pardoned, that guy, like, was taking all of the American, like, intel secrets. I mean, he leaked thousands of, of intel contacts, like, and, and all their, all their comp, all those contacts were compromised and all the work they were doing was compromised. I mean, he's like an enemy of the state. Like, he's like, you know, a, an actual, like, harmful enemy of the United States. And then Trump pardons this guy and he goes back to Israel. And I don't think that he got many political favors from doing that. I mean, and you say, well, maybe we just don't see it. But like he they're still trying to put him in prison. Like they're still trying to destroy him. They've never stopped trying to destroy him. I, I don't think that it's worth it. I mean, I think like, yeah, he let he let go of the one the one uh, Jewish guy who was doing the, the fraud or whatever. Like, OK, that's like petty stuff. Like it's bad, obviously, but that, we can make a case that that's petty. But when we're talking about a guy diming out thousands of intel operatives and taking all of our, our intel secrets and military secrets away that's a different story and i don't think that you could just flippantly say well what was the cost nothing like i, I don't i don't agree with that at all well i'm just it, he what i know for a fact is that no major news outlet said donald trump is pardoning israeli spies and anybody who helps the israelis is an enemy of the country right like that didn't happen right well of course it's not gonna happen does that make it okay no i'm not saying it makes it okay i'm just saying i'm just talking about the political calculus okay so like uh, you know like as far as i'm concerned go take jonathan pollard out back and blow his stupid brains out why are we still dealing with this now why do i want to feed the guy right so like you know you you get caught you know the, if spies go get caught spying like I don't know why we know their names right they should be like oh sorry your spy didn't come home you know that's that's my attitude about espionage okay but like you know what's the the all I'm saying is the political costs associated with it you you happen to know that there's no there's no like mass media level political costs that can we agree on that. Um, to pardoning Jonathan Pollard? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. No mass, no mass media, media level political cost. Yeah, because he's representative of the people that control the media. But exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, and so he does that. There's, there's no mass media level political cost to it. Do you think that there would have been a mass media level political cost to blanket pardoning everybody who stormed the Capitol on January 6th? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So... You know, you could disagree. But you but could the, disagree with so the, his the value judgments. So toxic. If the incentive system is so toxic that we just have to accept that they're going to do terrible things and not do good things, then I don't see the point. I mean, like at some point he needs to break the mold. Like that's the point of electing him was to change things and break the mold. He's got to have some sort of courage to do things that are are going to get blowback, or maybe that even though he won't be punished for it, it's a bad thing to do. Um, and it's not like you expect him to be perfect, but he's got to do something. I mean, certain things are inexcusable. So I, I think when, when we're we're talking about that, he did lose support, like not pardoning January 6th people, like his core base, I think it probably hurt him a little bit. Not a lot. I mean, obviously there's still people that are like looking around, like, I don't care. I still want Donald Trump versus everything else. But I don't know. It's just like, because the media is going to punish you for doing good things therefore we can't expect anybody to do good things i don't think that that's a good way to approach politics well personally. i'm not i'm not saying that we can't expect them to do good things i'm just saying that you know a guy who has an election to win you know has to make those calculations you know and so like you know if you're i understand that your hierarchy of values may conflict you know but the 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 
political calculation that he's making is, I could still be president of the United States for four years, and can I do more good? If, if I pardon all the January 6th guys now, assuming he thinks that's a good thing, and I'm not even certain that that's, that's the case, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, that Donald Trump believes it's a good thing to pardon, blanket pardon everybody from January 6th. Now, I actually don't even believe that, by the way. Like, like you went, if you went to the Capitol and you maced a police officer... I actually, I actually am not certain that the best thing that we can do is just give you a pardon and be like, oh, well, you did it for Trump, so that's fine, okay? I actually don't believe that. But, you know, let's just say that for the sake of argument. He can't sort them all out. You know, we know these Democrats are going to hurt them. Let's help these guys out. Blanket pardon. Okay, let's just say that he assumes that's a good thing. Do you think that he believes that he can do more good by doing that or by being president for another four years? A reasonable man might conclude that he could do more good by being president for another four years. And and like so you I don't think that it axiomatically comes to, hey, you're a bad guy because you didn't forfeit the presidency of the United States for a bunch of people who actually did commit a crime, you know, and 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 while you pardon these other guys who may or may not have done you a political favor, you know. So that's that's my thinking of the calculus on it. And it's distasteful. Yeah. You know, it, but the idea that because the idea that because politics requires, you know, men to do distasteful things, that it defeats the purpose of, you know, participating in that. I don't think there's a great deal of evidence to support that because the alternative to us participating in politics, the good the alternative to good people making those sacrifices is bad people do. OK, so, you know. You know, you know, when Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, <clears throat> does he does he take more chances than Trump? Sure, he does. And he can't afford to do that because his friends in the press are not going to do anything about it. Right. Um, and he's and he's fundamentally like he's he's part of a, a, a machinery that, you know, wants these things done. And any 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 plays his part as his, you know, as the cog that he is in that machine. Um, you know, Donald Trump comes in. He's like, I'm going to break the machine. And the machine is like, no, you're not. I'm going to break you. And, you know, it's arguable that they did. But, you know, if you're in his position and you, and you, and you, and you give him the benefit of the doubt that he, he wants to do good things, you know, whatever his motives may be, you know, he, he, he has to make calculations that involve winning the next election. And, and that involves thinking about what the media is going to do and what the Democrats are going to do. And even without him doing that, you know, as you say, they're trying to put him in prison for the rest of his life. Do you think it would have been less of an ordeal if he pardoned all the January 6th guys? No, definitely wouldn't have been less. <laughs> you know, you can argue that it couldn't be more, sure, you know, but it wouldn't have been any less, that's for sure, you know. Just to clarify, when I started talking, I'm not even making the argument he should blanket pardon J6 people. My point is that pardoning Pollard is unforgivable even by normie American standards. All right, that's fine. Hatting. Uh, go ahead, Hatting. No? I see Hatting is unmuted, but I don't hear his sound. <clears throat> I thought we had you worked out, buddy. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. All right. Well, that's unfortunate. Um... Maybe what I got to do is, you know what I'll, you know what I'll do the next time we do this, I will, um, I'll pull up a conference call system. 
I have like a free conference call thing. This is actually how I used to do calls on the show before I started using call-in studio. Um, I have this like free conference call thing. And I used to use that for the calls, but then I had to I had to buy the call-in studio service because people figured out that they could unmute themselves. <laughs> and I had a huge prank call problem because people figured out that but with touchstones they could unmute themselves and people started like using it to spam the show with other shows and stuff and so I'll do that next time. We'll make sure we have that up. Any uh, Anybody else want to chime in? If not, you know, it's quarter 11. I could wrap it up. Um, if anybody wants to chime in before we do, I'll listen to you. Let's see over here. Odyssey chat is usually pretty slow on member nights, uh, member-only nights. Yeah, you know, there's not, uh, there's not many people subscribed on the Odyssey thing. Uh, for the for the paying customers and some of you who are subscribed to paying customers on Odyssey, then you come over to the uh, surrealpolitics.com and you're like subscribed on both of them and you and you chat there anyway. So um, so there's that. But I appreciate uh, I appreciate you uh, viewing there. In any case, libertariat and a lot of sense. Um, let's come over here. Hadding says in the chat, confidential informants are usually people with a criminal record. They get leniency in exchange for making that deal. Uh, Crash is punching out. Great show, everybody. Catch you on the flip side, indeed. All right. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, member chat for September 6, 2023. We do this every Wednesday, of course. If you're listening to this and you are not a member, you know, of course, that you're stealing from me and you don't want to be a crook, so just sign up. Go to Chris, I'm sorry, surrealpolitics.com slash join and you can become a member for 10 bucks a month. But because I'm a nice guy, I'll let you know a little secret. If you sign up with the, uh, with the code AGENDA33, you get your first three months at 33% off, which you get it down to, I think it's $6.70. Um, and then you could get, uh, you go to surrealpolitics.com slash shop. You could buy t-shirts and hats and, and mouse pads and all sorts of stuff. It doesn't say surrealpolitics on stuff. It's got the stuff from the, uh, from the uncensored production, but that's still fine, fine products. And so, uh, you know, you guys know, you guys pay for this already. I'm not going to solicit donations, but you can buy me things from my Amazon wishlist and send me cryptocurrency. All that is at, uh, surrealpolitics.com slash donate. And, uh, we'll be back Friday uncensored. We'll be back Monday, slightly less edgy. good time you know i love love being with all of you thanks so much i appreciate it more than you know genuinely 